This podcast is supported by .tech Domains, a domain extension designed with the tech community in mind. .tech Domains allow you to create strong, tech-focused positioning for your brand. The .tech extension offers a ton of availability, so you don't have to compromise on your domain name. And it's intuitive and descriptive, which will help you create a great first impression and stand out in the crowd. Big brands are already using the .tech extension, including Viacom, CES, and Intel. The .tech domain has also been great for startups. In fact, startups using the .tech extension have already raised $500 million in funding. Whether you are looking for a domain for your tech startup, tech blog, or personal portfolio, a .tech domain is the way to go. Get your .tech domain today at www.get.tech. And be sure to use coupon code BESTTECHIE to save 96% on all one-year and five-year registrations. Pricing for one-year registrations start at just $1.99. Again, that's www.get.tech and coupon code BESTTECHIE. Hey guys, Jeff here from BestTechie.com and this is Techie Bytes episode 33. Today I'm speaking with Jacob Babcock. CEO and founder at New Current. We discuss the juggling act of building a startup while working as an attorney, the move from wired to wireless power, and what the future of wireless power will actually look like. Enjoy. This podcast is supported by Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your own professional website. Choose a template you love or start from scratch, drag and drop to customize anything, and use advanced design features like video backgrounds and image galleries. You can even add professional business solutions like an online store, booking system, or blog. I've personally tested and reviewed Wix on Best Techie and can say without a doubt that Wix is extremely easy to use and a great choice for both novice and advanced users. So go ahead, try it yourself. Go to Wix.com and create your own website today. That's Wix, W-I-X.com. I'm here with Jacob Babcock, the CEO and founder of a company called New Current, which is on the cutting edge of wireless power technology. Jacob, welcome. Thanks for being on the podcast with me. Thanks, Jeff. I'm happy to be here. So you uh, you have an interesting background in the sense that um, you know you were you're an attorney by trade, but you're now the uh, and you worked as an attorney for a while, and now you're the founder and CEO of a company that you've actually been running since you were in law, uh, I guess law school, right? Yeah, that got started the last year of law school. Gotcha. So, so tell, tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of what you're doing right now. Give us the, the, the high level overview, the 30,000 foot view of that. Sure, sure. Uh, well, who I am, uh, I'm a husband, father of two daughters and a dog and live here in Chicago and even though I'm here in Chicago, I'm a Packers fan, Brewers fan, Hoosier fan. So that's who I am. But what I do, uh, I run a company called New Current. Uh, I started it when I was in law school along with some other people that were taking the same class with me. It was a class at Northwestern called Newvention Medical Innovations. And we focused on uh, trying to solve problems for implanted neurostimulation devices. And the problem we identified was a problem with a wire that connects the battery to electrodes that are used to deliver stimulation to the spine. And so we endeavored to get rid of the wire. And that really started us down this path of wireless power as a class project. And after the class was done, it took a lot of different 
uh, iterations and it morphed dramatically to where we are today. But that's really how it got started back when I was in law school. Gotcha. Well, that's interesting. So before before we get any further, how, how are you feeling about the Brewers right now? I got to ask. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, we have to win two more games. And yep. so you got to do them consecutively now. It's been an absolutely great season. We're the smallest market team in, in baseball. So you, you only get this every, every once in a while. But uh, it's a fun team. I love watching it. I love what Craig Council's doing with the team, and he's a personal favorite of mine because we went to the same high school. So um, all, <laughs> in, all in all, I'm very happy with the Brewers, and let's see what we can do and see if we can make it to the World Series. Yeah, that would be that would be fantastic. I mean, it kind of reminds me of a little bit uh, of the Royals a couple years ago. <laughs> you know, very small market team getting to the World Series. Uh, fortunately, that didn't work out in the end for them, but they made it to the World Series. Yeah, you know, the funny thing about that, and I know this is not a sports podcast, so we'll keep it, we won't dive too deep into this, but the Brewers have traded back and forth players and managers with the Royals. So we have, uh, you know, Lorenzo Cain, Mike Moustakis, uh, they, had the, they had them on the Royals, so there's been back and forth. Ned Yost is their manager, used to be our manager, so we can do a different sports uh, podcast sometime. But, uh, <laughs> I, I could talk about this for a while, but yes, I'm very excited about the Brewers, and despite living in Cubs territory, it's fun to be a Brewers fan. Nice. I'm sure. So so talk to me a little bit about uh, the juggling act uh, of managing, you know, first of all, you you, meant, uh, you mentioned the clash was called, what was a new, what was it, something, uh, new something for medical technology? New, new vention. Right. So, innovations. Yep. I, I'm curious, did that, that, did that influence the name of the company now, New Current? Yeah, there's this uh, sick there's this sick disease that all of us Northwestern graduates have, where when it comes to branding your company, it almost always starts with NU. Uh, <laughs> so there's other ones. There's uh, New Mat, which stands for New Materials. They're a really interesting technology company. Um, and there's like three or four more. I just know the guys at New Mat, so that comes to mind. But a lot of companies go with that, and it's kind of funny. But at the same time, it's like uh, not not very creative at some point. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, so let's 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 talk about the juggling act that was in place. So you were so you were obviously working on this startup, right? You finished law school, you went and you were an attorney at a large law firm, and 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 and, and, for, and we had spoke before, and you were kind of alluded to me that they were like, yeah, just don't bring that up too much, you know, in your day to day here. Uh, and then, uh, and then you actually went to work at another company, uh, start, uh, startup in, in in Chicago called Cleverbridge, which we we've had Craig on on a, on a previous episode of the podcast, and and they were like, yeah, talk, you know, feel free to talk about it, share your ideas, and Craig was very big on the idea of uh, uh, of you know you having this other project that you were working on. How how did you balance you know working as a lawyer, and especially first year attorney, second year attorney? Uh, you know, associate at a, at a huge law firm, spending tons of hours, right? Uh, yep. Working, and then also doing this startup. Yeah. So, it, when we got started, uh, that I was at a, I got very lucky, and it's a weird kind of luck because the economy was in a downturn, and so because of that, I had a job offer at my law firm, but they asked me to defer my start date, and they said. So we'll pay you a portion of your salary to not come to work. <laughs> and so that was a great opportunity to spend the next nine months or so focused on starting New Current and getting a structure in place that could uh, propel forward even if I was doing 
a lot of work when I started at the law firm. So, you know, I got the foundation in place and then I was doing uh, the law firm and then when I wasn't doing my billable hours, my 2,000 hours a year for the law firm, I was working on Nucron on the side. But, you know, basically what happens is, especially our company that was very much in research mode for the first few years of the company, because we had developed a fundamentally new type of technology for wireless power. This isn't something that you, um, you invent and then you put up a website and then just start selling it overnight. This takes time to develop an ecosystem and partnerships. So the earlier stages of the company when it was research oriented was led by engineers, and I'm not an engineer. Then the partnerships were not very numerous. And so it was easier when we only had three or four partners at any given time to handle it while I was also doing 2,000 uh, hours at a law firm. But it did get to the point where as we got more and more traction and the technology was getting more mature and the interest level was growing, where it did become uh, a, a lot for me to do both. And so I had the opportunity to uh, interview with, uh, as you mentioned, Craig's company, uh, Cleverbridge. And I thought that was an opportunity to, instead of being, you know, doing it in the shadows, kind of like after hours doing my work for New Current, I thought it was an opportunity for me to be very upfront with Cleverbridge and say, look, this is what I do. I'm the CEO of New Current. I also happen to work at a law firm right now. <laughs> and if you're okay with me coming and being a lawyer doing that same thing at your company, then I'd be happy to come work for you. So it was the first line on my resume when I was applying to Cleverbridge. Uh, was new current, not not my law firm. Mm -hmm. So uh, Craig was extremely supportive. I actually think that was one of the reasons Craig was interested because it was an entrepreneurial like he is, and um, he was a, he is today uh, continues to be a huge mentor of mine. I've learned a lot from him, and I got to spend uh, two years at Cleverbridge, and I think I helped them. And at the same time, I got a lot of benefit from it as well. So it, it worked out very well, but it's not a traditional path. I certainly recognize that. Yeah, yeah. So were, were you actually like working on New Current like while at the Cleverbridge office? Like if you had like if, if obviously you didn't have something going on at that immediate moment, were you able to take a take some time out of the day while at the office to work on some New Current uh, matters? No, I really tried to keep it pretty separate. Okay. Um, so I would take time off if I needed to do something um, like that. I would, um, you know, in this day and age, a lot of the work we do is um, – can be done remotely, can be done at different hours. No one cares at what time of day they're receiving emails. Um, I can work For on- For better or worse. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I can work on agreements at night. If we're having calls with Asia, it's better to be doing it at night anyways. Uh, so, no, I really you know, try not to mix church and state. Uh, mm -hmm. I had it, even though I was very upfront with what I had. Uh, going on with New Current and they knew about it the whole time. You still, you know, I have a priority, which is, um, giving my best for Clever Bridge. And so, yeah, I think you have to be pretty careful about that if you're going to be, uh, if anyone's listening and they're going to, if they're trying to uh, kind of moonlight and do something, try to keep them really separate. I think it's just better for all everyone involved if you can draw a good line. I'd agree with that. I definitely would agree with that. So one of the interesting things, that, um, you know, that I, about you, uh, you know, we haven't, I, well, at least I haven't spoken to many attorneys who have become entrepreneurs running i mean uh you know really kind of very technical businesses uh like like you have uh but i'm curious and i'd love to hear how how being an attorney also helped your entrepreneurial career in what ways do you think that 
that that benefited you? I, I mean, I could think of some, but I'd love to hear you know your your take on that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's a correlation between being an attorney and success in entrepreneurship. I'm sure there's a similar ratio of attorneys that have tried to be entrepreneurs that aren't successful as say people that went to business school or engineers, which are, those are the prominent path, right? MBAs and engineers are more typically gonna be your uh, founder CEOs. But um, I mean, there are things that we learn in law school that are um, helpful. So if you think about what a lawyer's job is, lawyers aren't specialists in any certain business, right? They, they're usually, good at an area of law or very good at strategic thinking, but they have to apply it to a variety of different clients. And so flexibility in tackling a diversity of challenges is something that lawyers are trained to do. And so I think that's really relevant when you're talking about early stage startups, because any given day you could be having an employment issue or a contract issue or a fulfillment issue or a supplier issue. And so good lawyers can flex in and out of deep, important problems for clients, but no two clients looks the same. And so I think that flexibility is something that does give a little bit of an edge to people that have that traditional law firm experience, and along with the strategic thinking that goes involved. At the end of the day, that's why people pay lawyers so much money, is because ideally, they're able to bring strategic value to your company on some of your toughest challenges and biggest opportunities. So I think that uh, plays very well into why some lawyers find being an entrepreneur uh, both fulfilling and also something that fits their skill set. Um, but I would also say the other thing that's really helpful when you're getting started is lawyers are unbelievably expensive, right? I don't yeah. know of any service, pro like accountants cost a fraction on an hourly rate of what lawyers cost. Even bankers, you know, just, you know, despite commissions, sometimes can cost less than lawyers. Um, it's an extremely expensive service provider. So to the extent you're getting started and you have a legal background, you have, you know, I have the ability to put our basic corporate documents in place. And I don't mean like our, financing docs because you have to hire lawyers for that. But I mean things like NDAs and employment agreements and consulting agreements. I just didn't want to spend money on that and I knew I could do it myself. And so it's not something I do today, believe me. We have, we employ far too many lawyers today as our company gets bigger. Corporate lawyers, security lawyers, IP lawyers, litigation, licensing, and those are all different lawyers. Um, but back when you're getting started and you don't have as much going on, um, in terms of business development and uh, cultural growth and employees to handle and departments to grow and trying to create a longer term strategy. Um, it can be helpful to get your own documentation in place. You know it intimately, it works for your company and you're saving you know, a few hundred dollars an hour. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's certainly, that, that's, 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 a, that's originally where I was kind of thinking uh, that was the headspace I was in in terms of when I was asking the question. I thought you were going to go there first. Uh, it's interesting that, you know, the flexible kind of uh, skill set that you develop, you know, and that you're taught in law school uh, that you brought up is also is also something that I didn't really consider, but does make a lot of sense uh, to me. So I, I think I think I think that's really interesting. So one of the things you, you mentioned just before that you uh, that you actually didn't uh, that you didn't take. um time to do yourself was when it came to raising money, the financing aspect. Uh, obviously, 
you uh you, you you were able to look at the legal documents and term sheets and things like that that were that were being presented to you as any entrepreneur would would look at them but you you did bring in outside attorneys for that uh, uh what what you know what what was the reasoning behind that just curious yeah, let me just make sure that that's it's clarified. So certainly one of the jobs of, this, of an early stage CEO is actually raising the money. So right. finding the investors, pitching the company, um, managing the due diligence process, answering all the questions. So you don't outsource that. If you're outsourcing that, there might be, you're, you have a low chance of being successful in the process. What I'm talking about is just documenting the deal. I'm not going to write our own um, Series A um equity documents. I'm not going to write our uh, our bylaws and our charters. And that's just something that law firms have decades of experience doing. They have forms at the ready. Right. They, uh, they usually have forms or te- boilerplate templates that they can work from, make it a lot quicker and easier. Right. And ideally, ideally, they're working off of NVCA forms anyway. So both the yeah. Uh, the investor side and the company side have a really strong starting point and they can do it relatively lean so that they're not billing a ton. But anyways, that's just work securities work, which is the, the kind of body of um, law that we're talking about. Securities yep. work is extremely detail uh, oriented. You have to get the commas in the right place. You have to have the decimal points right. You have to have all definitions tie out and be consistent. And that's just work for lawyers. That's not work for one person. That's work for multiple people, double checking, triple checking. And so c- CEO entrepreneurs, we raise the money. We, we, we find the investors. We develop a plan. Um, but at the end of the day, you want lawyers documenting the deal. That's what I mean. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that's I think that's right on the money. Absolutely, especially because you know one misplaced comma or decimal point could be could make all the difference, especially when it comes to a legal document, as I'm sure you're well aware. Um, yeah, we had a we had a, a nightmare. Uh, oh boy! So, yeah, where um, in one of our financing documents that um, the way to calculate interest was inconsistent between. Uh, in within the same document. So in one area it said compound interest in one area it said simple interest and We didn't realize this until the next time we went to go do a financing a couple of years later and Therefore we had to give the benefit of the doubt to the investors Even though the intent was simple interest. We had to calculate it as compound interest and it costs us serious money tens of thousands of dollars because the interest calculation was different and yeah. That's some, that was a mistake that a law firm made, and ideally, when you're paying lawyers $400, $500, $600 an hour, they're not going to make those mistakes, but um, that's an example of where it really does make a difference, and we were burned by it, and so uh, you want to really get that kind of thing taken care of uh, to the extent possible, because it, it has a material impact on the business. Oh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's, a great, that's a great story, uh, and and. And really, uh, you know, terrible the story, actually, but uh, it's, uh, a good, it's, it's a good learning experience. It, it, that, that, that's, that's probably the better way to put it. It's a great learning experience. And, and especially for the listeners who are listening, don't, you know, double check the work that you're sent also. You should read it over yourself yep. uh, as well and, 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 you know, and make sure that it makes sense to you. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that, you know, that, that's an example of how something small, seemingly small, can make a huge impact down the road. Uh, in a negative way. Uh, one of the things I also want to kind of shifting gears slightly, I wanted to talk to you about was uh, fostering entrepreneurial spirit 
within your own company. Now, the reason I want to bring this up is because I think with Craig, we mentioned Craig before at Cleverbridge and how he brought you in knowing that you were a very entrepreneurial kind of guy. And I also, I often feel like having uh, looked through various job descriptions and things like that, that people oftentimes they'll write, we want someone who's an entrepreneur, an entrepreneurial spirit, you know, in the job description. That's a very common phrase these days. But I find they usually don't actually mean it. <laughs> uh, when, you know, when you If you get into the interview process and you start talking to them, they're like, it, it just becomes apparent that it's really not you, actually the case many times. How, how do you go about at, at New Current um, if, uh, fostering entrepreneurial uh, spirit and, and, and making sure that it's part of the culture in the company? Yeah, so entrepreneurial spirit is really implicit in everything we do and in everyone we hire. So I don't think we try to foster an entrepreneurial spirit. We're really an embodiment of entrepreneurial spirit, if that makes sense. So yeah. we have cultural elements that help build upon the entrepreneurial spirit that people bring to the table that allows us to thrive and grow. Uh, but I would just say that entrepreneurial spirit is... Uh, a minimum expectation it's a starting point it's not an aspiration or a destination for us so that said like everyone that wants to work here because we're a 25 person team you know Craig's company I think 250 350 people now they you know bigger companies they have to potentially uh, create more of entrepreneurial nooks within their company. Like we want this department to have more of an entrepreneurial mentality because it's new product introduction and things like that. But for us, everyone that wants to come here, they're passionate about entrepreneurship, or at least they believe they are as they're interviewing. And, and our job is to find out, are they truly entrepreneurial or do they like the idea of entrepreneurship, but they don't understand the cost that comes with it or the commitments that come with it. So there's two kind of sets of things that we look at. And one are the uh, criteria of people that we hire. So what do they bring to the table and what makes them entrepreneurial? And so to us, this is a little bit of our, um, it's a little bit of secret sauce for how we hire people, um, but it's also okay to share because everyone's gonna have their own way that makes their company work. So when we hire people, we look for people that have demonstrated a relentless spirit. So they might have had challenges in their past, whether it's personal or professional or academic, and they're relentless at overcoming those. Because we see that as our successful employees are the ones that are very relentless. We also look at people that are solutions focused. So versus, um, it's easy, especially in the field of engineering, there's a lot of pessimists. You know, I have to see it to believe it. There's a, there's a lot of ways to, um, discredit a challenge or a solution and say that will never work because of X or Y. We look for people that say that might not work the way we're doing it now, but here's a way that I can try to get it. So we're looking at people that kind of see the world or uh, the glass is half full and are always trying to find answers, not just problems. And actually going back to Craig one more time, that's something that he values tremendously too. He always says, I'm not looking for problems, I'm looking for answers. So uh, solutions focus is something we hire for. Um, the third thing we hire for are people that are very impactful. And the way we describe that is it's someone that can accomplish amazing amounts of important work. So that doesn't mean they do a lot of work. It means that the work they do is important. They have the ability to, uh, if, you, if you bring it back to baseball, 
they're sluggers. They have a high slugging percentage. So they're not necessarily dropping down bunts and just getting to first base with a high on base percentage. They're they're hitting the ball. When they step up to the plate, they're hitting home runs. They're hitting doubles and triples with consistency. So they're impactful. Um, and they're the types of the people we hire here are the types of people that you would put in your lineup at uh, the third or the cleanup spot. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that's the impact we look for. And then uh, finally, a personal characteristic that we look for in everyone we hire is curiosity. I think to be an entrepreneur and an innovator, um, you really have to be curious and uh, one that wants to learn uh, and eager about learning from the people around you, from the resources that are available now on the internet and with books. And it's not just they're curious about science or magnetics or wireless power. They just like to read. They like to have deep discussions with other people on the team. They like to learn about different cultures and experience the world. Those type of people thrive here because um, they learn so much. They can bring their other worldly experiences to the table as we innovate and grow in this pretty fresh industry that has a lot of room for uh, growth and ownership of white space and ownership of what the future is going to look like. So just to kind of bring it back together, entrepreneurship is what, and an entrepreneurial spirit is something that everyone that wants to work here, every candidate we interview thinks they want to be, thinks they want. So it's kind of a floor. But what we look for are those characteristics I just mentioned in the people that we hire, because that's the type of entrepreneur that we see being extremely successful at this company. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. So let's 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 talk about the future a little bit. Let's talk about wireless technology. Let's talk about new current. So you, as we as I mentioned early on in the podcast, you you started this when you were last last year of law school. You kind of started the whole process of actually starting this company with a team of uh, of other of engineers, and so essentially that's been like nine years uh, from you know from then till now. Mm-hmm. What were some of the challenges that you guys faced early on? with this technology, this wireless technology that you, that you had built. So you, because you, uh, let, me, let me frame it a little bit better. So I, from what I, from after we had discussed that you had originally kind of intended to, to sell this to, uh, to medical uh, companies, companies creating medical devices and things like that. And, and then they, the, original thing, the original kind of prototypes you had brought to them, they're like, nah, we, we really needed to not have wires, right? What were, you know, things like that. What were some of the early challenges you had faced? So I think the, the challenges were basically twofold early on. So one is product market fit. So what are we offering and does anyone want it? And if they do want it, to what degree do they want it? Is it something they need to have? Is it something they'd like to have? Or is it something maybe we're interested in it. So uh, there's constant iteration over time for product market fit. And the second challenge that's related to that is that this is a, it's still today a very early stage market. Um, and it's incredible to say that we started working on this nine years ago and that it's still an early stage market. We've been way ahead of the market for eight years, way yeah. ahead. Our technology readiness seven years ago is ahead of where the market is implementing technology solutions today. 
Um, but thankfully, due to Apple, uh, in large part due to Apple, but then there's other consumer electronics companies like Samsung and LG and Motorola that have put wireless power uh, products into the market. But when Apple announced that in November of last year, that their entire iPhone line was going to have wireless charging and that they're going to, in the future, they're going to put it in their AirPods and then their watches have it. What that did is it brought the market to a point where companies that were thinking about wireless power for three or four years are now doing wireless power. And so now finally we were ahead of the market for eight years and now the market's starting to catch up with the demand. And so when you think about product market fit, over those years we're developing new technology. Um, it started with antennas, then it moves into systems and is moving into software and holistic architectures for integrating wireless power into products. Now that we have that suite of product offerings and we have the demand side because now companies know that in order to have a premium electronic device or a durable electronic device, the table stakes have been set by Apple. Now we have customers, Fortune 500 type customers that are demanding and need to bring wireless power into their products. And that is, um, you know, that's where it's all starting to uh, coalesce and come together. But that was a challenge for a long time of being ahead of the market. Did you, nine years is a long time, like you, like you and I just mentioned. Is there any point over that nine year period where you're like, maybe I should just pack it in? <laughs> um, maybe not in those exact terms, but there was certainly <laughs> some, uh, some sleepless nights, um, some soul searching, Difficult times. Uh, one of the most difficult times was when my uh, my early partner, um, who became our CTO, but at the time he was a we called him a lead uh, scientist because we were mostly in research mode. He said, "Jacob, you know this thing that we're trying to do for implanted medical devices? It's not going to work." And that was tough because we had raised a uh, you know something like close to a million dollars of friends and family financing at that time. And a lot of it was my family, you know, investing and other people's family investing. And so it's like, wow, I feel like uh, it's a very difficult message. And like a typical engineer, he had buried the lead of the story and waited for a long time <laughs> to say, but I have an idea on how we might be able to solve it. <laughs> and so I said, well, let's do that. And, uh, but that was a that was a tough conversation because I'm just picturing going back to all the family members and and not just mine but of my friends and saying, hey, sorry, you know, all that money you invested over the last uh, year and a half, we don't have anything. Uh, it'll be worth worthless. And thankfully, in that situation, the thing that he wanted to try ended up being the foundational breakthrough of our company that we started building upon for the next you know six seven years. Um, but there were a lot of times, and I think the biggest thing that, I, that helped me see through any of those times was having a good network of people, especially people that have been where I was, and they can bring some context and judgment to the situation that isn't quite as emotional as mine would be. And they can say, look, everyone has these problems. Can I help you think about a framework to work it out? And so, you know, if I were giving advice on that situation for, all entrepreneurs go through those times, right? It's dark times, it's hard. The more you can build up your network with people that have 
been in your shoes before and you can develop relationships with them, it makes it easier to pick up the phone and call. And when you don't feel like you really want to take more steps forward at that time, they can help motivate you and say, hey, just, you know, try this, try that. And then it, it makes all the difference. So I think having a network um, of entrepreneurs is extremely important to work through some of those very difficult times. I, I'd agree with that. Certainly was helpful for me and, uh, you know, and has been helpful for me to build a network of people that you can kind of reach out to and, and kind of, and like you said, get feedback and thoughts, kind of bounce ideas off of and really uh, kind of reef refocus yourself and get maybe get some new perspective or fresh perspective on a particular issue because again you're yep. not going through it alone a lot of entrepreneurs or, or most if not all are dealing with many of the same issues that you are so i want to talk now uh, about wireless wireless power standards where are where are we in, in this wireless power kind of standards world right has she kind of taken the lead here or you know are, are, are we is there now that apple's kind of on board with with that standard or or what's the deal yep so undoubtedly she is the standard for mobile phones so Apple works on the Qi standard, Samsung, Motorola, LG. There's there's a insurgence now of Chinese phone companies like Huawei, Xiaomi, Oppo that are making wireless charging using Qi. Automotive companies are embedding Qi transmer, uh, transmitters into their vehicles so that you can charge your phones on the way to work. Um, undoubtedly, Qi is the standard for cell phones, for at least for now. Mm-hmm. But wireless charging is so much more than phones. Right. Um, I can tell you that we're doing sporting goods. We're doing industrial computing. We're doing uh, many IoT devices. We're doing medical devices. And the bottom line is most of those, you don't need to charge them at a Starbucks or a Marriott hotel. or right, You're not going to lug an MRI machine into a Starbucks or something. Exactly. And, and actually, in many cases, the businesses that we work with, they don't want, uh, for example, a UPS driver to bring their computer into a Starbucks and set it down. That's a security risk for them. Mm -hmm. So they just assume and have it non-interoperable because they don't want to even uh, create the incentive for an employee to lose their computer. So when when you get outside of cell phones, there are still a lot of different um, types of wireless power that can solve the problem. So there's um, higher frequency stuff. There is different. There are different types of technology like laser-based charging, which is still premature. It's early, but that has some relevance in the future. There's RF-type wireless charging that uses Wi-Fi-type frequencies in order to transmit power over larger distance distances. Again, it's premature. It's very limited in what it can do today in terms of power level and actual distances, but it's interesting, like five, 10, 15 years from now, what you're gonna see is that wireless power, just like wireless communications, it's not one size fits all. So in wireless communications, you're everyone's familiar with, even though they don't spend a lot of time thinking about it, everyone's familiar with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and LTE and CDMA, and then they're less familiar with other things like Zigbee. But these are all different wireless communication protocols that all have their own purposes. And 
they all have their own benefits and costs that go with them. And wireless power is going to be very similar. Uh, today, most wireless power on a volume basis is Qi, but the Qi standard. But going forward, there's going to be Qi stuff, there's going to be air fuel stuff, there will be NFC stuff, there might be gigahertz stuff uh, as the RF matures. And there's going to be EV charging, which is on a different standard than wireless power consortium or the Qi standard. So uh, what I believe is that wireless power is going to be everywhere. Uh, I think it's actually hard to argue that it won't be at this point because of the proliferation and the speed of adoption. But it will not be one size fits all. It's going to be Baskin Robbins 31 flavors. It's, it, mm -hmm. you know, different power levels, different device sizes, different battery chemistries. They all require different things. And so there's a, a variety of wireless power technologies that can support those. And, um, you know, at New Current, what we do is we uh, try to focus on what's here and now and going to be relevant over the next three and five years. But 10 years out, we're really, we're really letting other companies think about how that looks and strategically partnering with those companies and also looking at acquisition of some of those companies to bring in. Because at the end of the day, what New Current is becoming is the go-to source of wireless power solutions globally and across segments. So we have a who's who list of clients from Fortune 500 and Global 2000 companies that come to us. And we don't. what we don't want to do for them is we don't want to say, there's only one solution for you, and even if it's not a great fit, we're going to force you into our technology. Instead, we'd rather say, we understand your problem, and we have a partner that can handle that better than we can today. Or down the road, we understand your problem, and here's the type of technology we're going to put you in, because we have all the best of breed technology under one roof at New Current, and that's really where we're going as a company, because that's where we see the entire space evolving. Gotcha. So that I mean, to me, that sounds really exciting. I I I want to I have so before we get to the lightning round, I want to I want to discuss this a little bit more in terms of the future of wireless power, because it's not just like charging, right? And about, like when when is LG or Samsung or or like KitchenAid or whatever going to come up with a refrigerator that doesn't need to be plugged in, just wirelessly powered, or 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 my computer, you know, like my actual desktop computer doesn't have to be plugged into an outlet or something like that. You know, all these things that could make my desk look a lot more neat. <laughs> for, sure. For example, like how how far out are we on that kind of stuff? Yeah, I uh, I joke that my I have a four year old daughter and a six month year old daughter and. I uh, joke that right now, today, we are we take pictures and there's cords everywhere, but we don't notice them. We're we're uh, numb to the to the concept. <laughs> we're cord blind. That there's there's cords running everywhere on our desks and along the sides of our offices and you know even in like restaurants and stuff. But when my daughter's uh, in middle school and high school, she's gonna look back at these pictures and she's gonna think that it's so funny that she sees wires everywhere. Just like you and I laugh when we see a rotary telephone, right? Mm -hmm. We're like, man, that's old school. Uh, <laughs> like you actually had a telephone sitting in your kitchen. Like it's not just in your pocket. Um, wires are going to be gone. And the ones that you're talking about, refrigerators and desktop computers, are probably not the first ones that are going to get cut and right. removed. Because at the end of the day, what are you going to do with a wireless refrigerator? You're not going to move it around your house, right? right. It's stationary. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, that cord, but, to be fair, that cord is already pretty much hidden. But, exactly. but yeah, point, so that's going to be one yeah. of the last ones to go. But uh, laptop computers are going to happen relatively soon. 
So your desk, you'll be able to set it down on your desktop. You won't have to plug it into your second monitor, and you also won't have to plug it into the wall because your desk is going to have the power supply in it invisibly, and you just put your laptop down. And that's not. I'm not even being futuristic about that. That is happening now, and those products will be available within the next year. So that is, um, uh, laptop computers are absolutely happening. Monitors that don't need to have a plug running into them are absolutely happening. Um, the coolest thing that I think people don't think about but that we know is coming is uh, a lot of the IoT applications and um, the unique places where electronics are going that we currently don't have them today. So for example, electrification of shoes is becoming a really big thing for a variety of reasons, for sensors, for self-tying shoes. Um, there's a lot of things going on there. Putting where, putting uh, technology into glasses and to belts and into clothing, those are areas that are happening. So we think about like wearables and we think about wrist-worn wearables like Fitbits and Apple Watches, but I think wearables are gonna become a lot more invisible it's going to be as, a whole new level, yeah. Yeah, as your shirts and your glasses that you're already wearing uh, have all the capability and more embedded into them. But wireless power is an absolute necessity to enable those new technologies. Because who's going to plug in a shirt? <laughs> I, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually, um, I had a shirt and it, it, it was like, it, I don't know. It had like a, it had like, it said Wi-Fi and then it had the Wi-Fi logo, you know, like the little bar things, the kind of semi-circle bars. That go mm -hmm. up and and it it, it literally uh, I, this was a while ago. I think it had batteries. Basically, it was the most uncomfortable shirt to wear. But if you put the batteries on in it and then you put and you turned it on, it would light up. <laughs> well, there <laughs> the you Wi -Fi go. Wi-Fi bars would light up, and you could wear the shirt, and uh, it would it would turn some heads, but it was not comfortable to wear at all. And not super functional either, right? right? Like it's like right. okay, LEDs, cool. You're clearly an early adopter. You're on the cutting edge. You you run a techie uh, podcast. Most of the most people will not care about buying a light up shirt. So there has to be some value <laughs> add. It has to be more comfortable. Uh, but I think to me, bottom line, wireless power is going everywhere. It's predominantly going to be invisible to the consumer. They're not even going to think about it. It's just there. And there's going to be a lot of different flavors of it. And it's exciting. It's really cool to be an important part of it. And um, I'm, I love the fact that we get to usher in this new technology. And although we can't talk about it in any detail, we know what's coming to the market over the next year, next two years. That's just going to turn a lot of heads. And it's really fun to be an enabling part of that ecosystem. And being one of the foremost um, developers of the technology and intellectual property that makes that happen. You sure you can't give us any like uh, sneak peek in terms of what companies are working on something pretty interesting? <laughs> well, if I want to keep them as customers, I'm pretty sure I should uh, keep my mouth shut about who they are. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't want to make you lose any customers. That would be bad. So, but that. but but you have but we we have made it through our the uh, the interview and uh, we're actually we're now going to do our lightning round, which of course is supported by Wix. You can create a professional website today. That's wix.com. That's wix.com. So Jacob, whenever you're ready to start, you let me know and we'll get, we'll get ready it. to do this lightning round. Let's awesome. do it. All right. So what's the last book you read or are currently reading? I'm bad with that. I'm reading a book now called Mobile Unleashed. It's the origin and evolution of ARM processors in our devices. Awesome book about the 
super influential and important company, ARM, which makes microprocessors. It's an amazing book. They do, and, and uh, ARM processors are basically a huge, uh, I mean, Apple basically turned them into a huge company uh, over the course of a few years because of their their use of their technology in the iPhone. So very, very, very cool company. It started with Nokia, though. So yes, it we, did. That's we, true. We for, we, yeah, so Nokia was their big commercial success in the 90s, and then iPhone, you know, continued proliferating and compounding that unbelievable growth story. Book or ebook? Book. So, so the book, that book you're reading, the Mobile Unleashed, is you have a physical copy of that. Yeah, that's why it took me a second to get the name because I had to look. <laughs> nice. All right, I, I, I'm more of an ebook kind of guy. I like, I love reading on my iPad, but, but. Uh, that's just me. And my wife just ordered one of those new waterproof Kindles so she can take a bath and not worry about dropping it in. <laughs> That's a great idea. Wouldn't it be cool if those had wireless charging in them? Oh my god, that would be that would be really cool. I don't I don't actually I don't know if they do or not. They probably don't. because um, they you know, they're 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 somewhat inexpensive. But hopefully, you know, what at a certain point the wireless charging will be so uh so commonplace that it, you know it'll just be inexpensive to implement it implement it in things like clothes like you talked about yep uh so if you could travel in time if you could i'm sorry if you could time travel where would you go or what year time period hmm could be forwards or backwards yeah i'm, I'm, I'm that's my first decision point am i going forwards <laughs> or am i going backwards I'm, I'm really um, I'm really focused in at this point. My uh, one of my coworkers is uh, he is getting in my head about the singularity of computers taking over humanity. So it's like <laughs> I'm a little bit leery about going forward a hundred years and seeing if there's any humans still here. Uh, so that's just kind of in my head right now. So I'll probably go backwards. Um, you know, depends on how involved I am in, in in the actual process or if I'm just watching on the sidelines. But I. You know, for some reason, the American Revolution is coming to mind. I, I love the stories about, you know, the John Adams and the George Washingtons and Ben Franklin's. And that's really a, an interesting part in time. But if I had an opportunity to do this, I would spend a lot more time being more strategic on where I want to go uh, than uh, this or that lightning round. <laughs> Current number of unanswered emails in your inbox. I have data on this. Um, 26 <laughs> that I need to respond to at some point. Cool. That's actually not that bad. I'm pretty good about it. Nice. Would you ever, last question, would you ever go skydiving? Never say never, but it's certainly not high <laughs> on my list of things I want to do. <laughs> Fair enough. Jacob, I really appreciate you being on the podcast with me today. If anyone wants to get in touch with you to learn more about wireless power or what you're working on at New Current, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, I think the best way is just to go to uh, uh, go to our website. Uh, if they want to send an email, send an email to info at newcurrent.com. And that's NU Current, not N-E-W. It's N-U. N-U Current. N-U Current, Northwestern University. Current. <laughs> there you go, guys. I know I, we had we had kind of mentioned that earlier on the show. I just wanted to reiterate that so people, uh, if they sent something, it would go to the right place. Sounds great. Well, thanks, awesome. Jeff. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting the podcast at anchor.fm slash 
Best Techie, and or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.